Monkey Club, a journey through the history of Simeon Cinema. I'm Christian Larson. And I'm Chris Mattiello. And uh, this is episode 9, 2004's Funky Monkey. And joining us today is a very special guest, Mr. Steve Payson. Steve, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Now, Steve, you and I go way back, not just in real life, but with this movie. Uh, yeah, this has been a long time coming. <laughs> I, I used to invite some of my college friends over to my house on Friday nights, and we would watch terrible VHS movies that I'd found. And this definitely earned a place in the pantheon because it's so bizarre in so many ways. But out of the whole group, Steve was the only one who really shared my enthusiasm for it. I legitimately love this movie. Like, it's so... <laughs> It's so bad, but it, I love it. Yeah, it's it's just so, you know, and I, we all are no strangers to bad movies, but this is just inconceivably terrible. It's not good. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm kind of with you guys. It was fun. And before I say this, just to be clear, the goalposts on Monkey Club, if it's not like Planet of the Apes or King Kong, are pushed up pretty fucking far. So when I say that, take what we're doing into context. I was surprised how much I enjoyed the first, like, two-thirds of this movie, and then surprised and just in utter disbelief at the last act of it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's the kind of movie that just leaves you with your mouth hanging open. It's just, how could anyone come up with anything this stupid and insane? And obviously a lot of effort was put into it by people who clearly cared about it. I mean, it has an ensemble cast. I mean, Matthew Modine, Taylor Negron, we have Jeffrey Tambor, we Uh, have Clemens the Monkey, you know. Gilbert Gilbert (laughs) Gottfried, Tommy Davidson. The lady uh, from Touched by an Angel. Yes. Fred Ward's name popped up on IMDb, but I couldn't figure out who he was. Yeah, well, part of... The interesting trivia behind this movie is that half of it was filmed using a largely different cast, including a different little boy, until that production was scrapped for some reason and they had to start over. I actually saw something, I'm sure it's related, that the majority of the film was done in France and then they were like, this is terrible, and reshot it over in the States. So that could be... I'd like to think that they were evicted from the country of France. <laughs> Once you know, they I... found out what they were up to. I had a feeling that this movie... I know movies aren't like shot in order, but the end of this movie, which we will talk about, really feels like they ran out of money at some point. <laughs> considering considering like the relatively high production value for a movie like this in the beginning, this movie has like legitimate wire work. For some of the fight scenes. I was kind of stunned by that. Some of the action set pieces are, if not on the level of, say, a Mission Impossible, definitely some work and money was put into it. And that's one of the things that makes this movie so baffling is the relatively recognizable cast and uh, the production value. And especially the lead, Matthew Modine. Now, I know his career hasn't always been stellar. For every Full Metal Jacket, there's a cutthroat island. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. I just remembered that movie exists. (laughs) But I was, Holy shit. I was looking at his IMDb, and he's, and it seems like he's at the point of his career where he can just do whatever the hell he wants. But this is an odd choice. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, he's playing a. Uh, what is he even playing? He's playing he's like a, a guy who trains monkeys to do karate, <laughs> but he's is also like an all star at everything. Describe, he's a real James Bond. How would you describe Matthew Modine's well, character? Well, officially, according to the plot, he is an ex CIA agent, so that might be okay. You know. Part of why he he's so well versed in everything. Wikipedia calls him a spy. IMDb calls him ex CIA. So oh. he he knows what he's doing. Yeah, and he, he obviously has a soft spot for monkeys because him and <laughs> him and Clemens are very close. But, but even before we're introduced to Matthew Modine, just such an epic intro to the character of Clemens. It opens up. We're right outside this secret high-tech laboratory and you know it's nighttime it's kind of we're not really sure what's going on and we go inside and clearly nothing good is happening inside this building here well we see this spy parachute in that's right and he's suspiciously short and there's <laughs> there's some strangely short. yeah and there's some kind of generic spy music playing it's very good it's very good if you went to youtube and typed in spy music royalty free you'd get whatever this song is <laughs> and they took the first result yeah. and threw it right in there but it <laughs> yeah it's what happens once he's inside this structure that really sets the tone for how bizarre this movie will be yeah we are we are nine years uh away from the first Mission Impossible movie with the very famous, and it was it was parodied all over pop culture by the in, throughout the late nineties. The wire dangling through the lasers, you know that scene. Everyone knows uh, that scene. Uh, so ten years later, this movie decides to continue referencing it, and this time we get uh, a monkey dropping through the lasers to get his banana. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> he's um, he's supposed to do some kind of spy thing, like you know, retrieve a microchip or turn off a computer or something. But there's a banana in the room, I suppose, as a test. And Clemens fails. This is the first time when we realize that the suspiciously short spy is, in fact, a monkey because he starts going, no pun intended, ape shit over the presence of, <laughs> of a banana, completely ruining the mission and alerting these generic guards who assault him. I genuinely laughed at this scene, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say it. There's a moment where the, the monkey, he eats the banana, and then he, like, nonchalantly tosses the banana peel, and that's what passes through the wire to set everything off, but it goes into slow motion, and it closes in on Matthew Modine's face, and he's like, no, and it closes in on, on the monkey's face, and he's just got this giant monkey mouth open, and they, they, they add in, they add in a shriek, and, I legitimately laughed oh, at God. it. Just thinking about it is making me legitimately laugh. And again, that's one of the many it's, things that makes this movie so crazy is that there. Uh, that's what. Yeah, no, go there, ahead. Go there ahead. are legitimately funny moments, despite it's, all odds. It's packed full of really stupid, very simple humor like that, and that's what makes it so great. You just laugh at the, the most random moments throughout this movie. And they know that monkeys' faces are really funny. You just <laughs> roll with it. Well, that's the thing. Uh, you know, most of the monkeys that we encounter in the movies we watch come under three categories. There are the ones that are completely fabricated, CGI, puppetry, that sort of thing. There are people in a monkey suit, which are usually gorillas because 
they're bigger. And then there's the actual monkeys. Now, this movie uses both a tiny man in a monkey suit and, for the close-up general monkey shine, an actual orangutan or a chimpanzee. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what makes it great, because half the time it's a midget in a monkey suit doing karate, and the other, <laughs> and the other half it's an actual monkey sticking out his tongue and like doing all kinds of hijinks. So it's great. It's pretty obvious, too, in this first fight scene uh-huh. when it's... Uh... When it's a little person in the suit with a hilariously bad monkey mask that they don't focus on, and the quick cuts to the monkey's face. It's done better than a movie of this caliber I would have expected it to do, but it's still pretty noticeable when it's a human being hunched over. Yeah, especially what he often runs around just standing upright, like he's not really yeah. even putting effort into into <laughs> looking like he should, but it, it, I like it. In doing research for this, I came across a clip from Penn Jillette's radio show from, I guess, like 2006, seven, and he had Gilbert Gottfried on as a guest, and there was a segment... I believe it was called Monkey Friday, where he would have his guest tell a funny story about a monkey, whoever the guest was. It didn't have to be from their personal experiences, but Gilbert Gottfried actually had personal experiences with a monkey, or <laughs> or at least a little person dressed in a monkey costume, and he talked about how miserable the French production was, and how more miserable the little man in the monkey suit was having to do this and he was drunk all the time (laughs) so whenever you're whenever you're seeing the monkey and it's clearly a man in a suit there's a drunk little man in there doing flips and karate kicks that is beautiful that is like the best little Ernest Hemingway story (laughs) just drunk man in a monkey suit I love it well at this point we see that this has all been a simulation to test the skills of Clemens and his handler Matthew Modine what's Matthew Modine's name Alex McCall yeah McCall yeah Alec McCall yep um <laughs> and we see that they work for zoology information technology or something something that doesn't grammatically make sense. It stands for zit. Yeah. That's right. That's the joke. <laughs> oh, it's zoology international technology. I-, I don't know. Something really really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and the the CEO is the always great character actor, Taylor Negron. Rest in peace. He died about a year year or two ago. But he is just chewing up the scenery as this generic evil CEO. And he's amazing. And of course he has two henchmen of the Big Dumb Oaf and Weasley Guy variety. Which, it always ends up those are what the henchmen are. And McCall does not want to work for them anymore, so he has a daring escape with Clemens using a motorcycle, and they crash through the window, and they get away, and the evil CEO, he has some, like, Frank or Ziff, or I forget. Uh, Flick. Flick, yes. Yep. (laughs) And Flick is like, McCall, I'll get you! And McCall and Clemens escape. And their first plan is to go visit McCall's college roommate, who's now a zookeeper, right? It's Tommy Davidson. Yeah. Obviously, they get to the zoo, and Clemens does not want to be put in a zoo, and hijinks ensue. Of course. We get a uh, a chimpanzee karate dick kick. <laughs> That's right. He kicks them, and then doesn't he slam two of them together? 
he does. Yeah, we get a little little karate action. We get a, uh, he, he goes a little, King Kong reference. Yeah, he mm-hmm. climbs a, a model of the Empire State Building. He does something which causes one of the zookeeper's heads to go up the butt of a topiary llama. <laughs> like, <laughs> that... That was one of the images that came up when I did a Google image search of Funky Monkey. <laughs> so yeah, Topiary Llama is actually the name of my new indie band. <laughs> um, we're going to be playing in. We're going to be playing in Brooklyn. Yeah. You should uh, come see oh, us. Definitely at the Knitting Factory. I can't wait. He's discovered by a young boy, a young boy who I think we already met earlier in the movie. Michael, little boy Michael. He is uh, a little bit of a nerd, kind of smart. And uh, doesn't really have any friends, and he he's trying to win the heart of the other little teenage girl there who he goes to school with. But he's constantly bullied. He's getting large wedgies out in the football field and all sorts of things. Your typical nerdy kid. There's a gang of scooter riding tough guys <laughs> that that runs him down. And the the thing I like the most about this gang is that the leader has his helmet on at a jaunty angle to show that like he doesn't really play by the rules <laughs> almost like the although he is wearing like a the helmet. backwards cap yes yes right is you know a sign of rebellion with the backwards cap yeah. he's wearing his his helmet a little off to the side the great scene i love the scene when <laughs> when he's at the football field and he, he's trying out he wants to be on the team but they won't let him on the team and the main bully comes up and gives him the big wedgie because <laughs> The bully's reaction is such a horribly forced laugh, like he's trying so hard to make it seem like he was just so cool and so funny. Very entertaining. Yeah, I, the other interesting thing about that, I was looking for Funky Monkey clips on YouTube, and mm-hmm. for some reason, just the wedgie scene was like a like a twenty second clip of that wedgie scene. Yeah, <laughs> and and when I when I investigated who posted it. It's someone. Oh no! It's someone who posts only clips of wedgies from movies. Oh no! Because <laughs> it's a sexual fetish. So. Oh, oh no! Yeah. yeah. As soon as you said uh, it, I knew what was it was gonna yeah, be. It was really, really not cool. Oh man! And yeah, oh. Mike. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Michael, who uh, it's not at all creepy to sexualize via wedgies, wants to be on the football team so he can impress this girl. And he manages mm-hmm. to, through a technicality, because as Coach Jeffrey Tambor says, all of his players are idiots and he needs Michael to help them pass their math. Right, so he, he lets them on the team only if he tutors the star players, yeah. because otherwise they're all going to get kicked from the team. Brilliant uh, strategic move by the coach there. <laughs> um, and the way that Michael and Michael ends up going to the zoo by himself, I guess, and he comes across this monkey, and unlike Harambe, they <laughs> they get along pretty well. R.I.P. Right? R- R- yeah. They get along pretty well right off the bat, and no one has to shoot Clemens. Probably... They, they come close. Yeah, I think they have tranquilizer guns, but they're too busy embedded in the asses of bush animals <laughs> to, uh, to really do much about it. And after he meets up with Clemens, he meets McCall, and for some reason, it's totally normal that a little boy and a monkey and a strange middle-aged man with frosted tips happen to meet and hang out at a zoo. Uh, McCall mentions he's looking for a room, 
And Michael mentions that his mother is renting out a room and she's having lunch at this outdoor mall and he can go meet her right now. At the mall, they're, they're, they're having this, uh, this sit down where she's interviewing him for the, the apartment and, um, we got an action set piece, but uh, something that I noticed is I think that, uh, t- again, to date the movie, uh, not that Matthew Modine's Frosted Tips doesn't do it well enough on its own. Uh, you mentioned the Razor scooters, and part of this action scene takes place outside of a very purposely framed Razor scooter store, huh. which I guess was a thing <laughs> in 2003. Sure. Oh, yeah. So I wondered if, if Razor Scooter had some advertising bucks in Funky Monkey. I wouldn't be surprised. The thing I remember about this interview scene is that the one rule is that you can't have a monkey. Like, that's the only thing the, mo- <laughs> yeah. the mom cares about. The kid's like, yeah, just don't mention the monkey. And he's sitting there giving the interview, and he's looking nervous, and he's looking around, and he only ends up answering, like, two questions, because the monkey is busy catching a, like, a purse-snatching skateboard gang. That's right. That's, mm-hmm. yeah. that's on the rampage through the mall, and this is a... This is another elaborate cartoonish action piece here. And it ends yeah. with Clemens clotheslining the skateboarder and taking the purse back from him. Very WWE <laughs> monkey attack. Yeah. And of course, as this is going on, uh, McCall is like, uh, uh, yeah, I don't have a monkey and I'm really clean <laughs> and I don't have a monkey. And she's like, okay. And they end up moving in together. Yeah, he jumps on a skateboard and he does some cool uh, kick flips and ollies and uh, a couple of wire work jumps and uh, rounds up this gang of hooligans in, uh, you know, comic kung fu way. Yeah, I believe. There are even, like, cartoony sound effects during the action scenes. There's a lot of, like, sploinks. It's the kind of stuff that you'd see in, like, a Batman 66 action sequence. And yeah, Matthew Modine moves into the basement, and the monkey starts teaching the kid how to believe in himself. Because, for some reason, whenever a kid meets a monkey, his self-esteem automatically goes through the roof. If you think about it, you've got this feral ball of ego that's constantly sprouting hair and touching itself that's basically a 14 year old boy (laughs) (laughs) so it it checks out in all of these movies why a kid going through puberty and a monkey would hit it off so well yeah the zit corporation has sent its henchmen to go track down the monkey and the lug of the two i remember seeing him in golden corral commercials that's what I was thinking. You know, I'm sitting here right now. I'm like, I know the actor, and all I can think is CC's Pizza commercials. I'm like, no, that's not the right so restaurant. Close. I couldn't think of what it was. Yeah. Oh, he, man. How the mighty have fallen. Well, I, he was never all that mighty to begin with. Well, yes. Although I, I did some research into him. And he studied at the Second City in Chicago and was very close friends with Chris Farley. And he's featured prominently about in the documentary about the life of Chris Farley. So he probably had a pretty extensive background in comedy, and this is where it led him. Although he has a recurring role on The Middle right now, which I've never seen, but I hear is very good. He's definitely been in stuff. Yeah. I've seen him before that definitely is in a commercial where he's hanging out next to a chocolate fountain. So. <laughs> well, good for you, Pat Finn, wherever you are. Oh, the little girl is really impressed that Michael has a monkey. Like, way too impressed. 
you wouldn't be impressed if you were just walking through the park and all of a sudden this kid that you vaguely had a crush on was just palling around with the chimp. Come on, that'd be that's that'd a be big selling point right there. You know, yeah, I guess. But it's it sort of I guess like when you're 17, you need a fancy car to impress a girl. But when you're like 12. A monkey just seals the deal. Well, I mean, the guy that she was... I think the implication is that she was maybe not dating, but uh, had something with the... You know, she's the head cheerleader and the head quarterback, you know? And that guy, that guy only has a motorized Razor scooter. Yeah. This right. kid has a monkey. <laughs> so it's not a hard choice. I'm looking at the resumes of these two, and man, the girl hasn't really been in anything. She was in Beethoven's Fourth. That was, like, her big <laughs> claim to fame. And Seth Adkins, who... That's the one where Beethoven... Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Educate me on Beethoven's fourth, please. <laughs> no, no, I, sorry. That's the one where the series really jumped the shark, if I remember correctly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You really knew it, was, it had run out of steam by the fourth. Seth Adkins, who plays Michael, just some tiny bit parts, his, his last big role was in the Johnny Depp movie Transcendence from 2014, Oof. and he's credited as Miserable Student. So, uh... <laughs> I, well, I'm, I'm on his IMDb page right now, too, and the first thing that comes up and is known for is in Titanic, where he's credited as Slovakian three-year-old boy. <laughs> wow. Oh, that classic yeah. role. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I remember my girlfriend crying I mean, so hard at the fate of this Slovakian boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Jack wow. and Rose, yeah. Billy Zane, well, the ship going down, the band playing on, Slovakian three-year-old boy. Yeah. Bobbing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never let go, Slovakian three-year-old boy. <laughs> well, you know, Michael and Christina from Funky Monkey are sort of the Jack and Rose of my childhood, except that they, spoiler alert, end up getting together in the end and not freezing to death. So, And you were, what, 27 years old when you first saw it, not a child? Well, I think Funky Monkey awakens the child in all of us. Very true. Or the wedgie fetishist in all of us. You know, it, it, <laughs> it depends on who you are. I'm going to... I'm gonna have to check out that guy's page now that you told me this. You know, just oh, wait. for just for oh, research. Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. At one point, a biker gang shows up when they're in the park. Yeah, right? they're they're yep. to they're yeah. tossing a football around, and Michael misses the football like the little dweeby fuck up that he is, and <laughs> the football ends up wedging itself in the helmet of a biker guy who crashes and then they show up and they're like hey what the hell man and it escalates very quickly into another slapstick action piece where McCall and the monkey beat the shit out of a biker gang <laughs> yeah this is where I developed a theory about this movie oh, um, do tell. well about the the writer who I don't know who this is I didn't I didn't <clears throat> this movie didn't deserve research uh -huh. I've mentioned on the show before is that when Movies reference other movies, like we had the King Kong reference, and these eight movies can't stop themselves from referencing, like, King Kong and stuff like that. While I'm watching this fight scene on a playground, I'm thinking, oh man, I, now I just wish I was watching Police Story 2, because it's a Jackie Chan movie, it is my absolute favorite fight scene ever put on film. He just kicks the shit out of people using a playground. And after this fight, the kid says, you were like Jackie Chan. And I'm like, whoa, the screenwriter was actually referencing... Police Story 2. Wow. It's like, it's it's in there. It's text. So I, I feel like this is like some like USC grad 
who got paid a couple of thousand bucks to like shit this movie out <laughs> over a weekend and is like, this is beneath me and just tried to put in as many film references as he possibly could to make himself not hate himself a little bit. <laughs> the evil Taylor Negron is fed up with the fumbling of his henchmen. So they hire a trio of ninjas to capture Clemens at a haunted house. I don't know if they had this haunted house lying around and they were like, wow, this would make a really good scene for this movie. <laughs> or they went through the trouble of building this thing because it's elaborate and the fight scene is pretty involved. It's the, the Chow Brothers, I believe. He's like, get me the Chow Brothers! <laughs> And they're like, ah, oh, the Chow Brothers, wow, these guys must be serious. Michael's mom, like, designed the haunted house, and McCall is there, and he's like, wow, good job on the haunted house. There's, like, a simmering romance between them, and there's a lot of ass-kicking, and Michael is part of it, but he's wearing his football uniform, so it's obvious that maybe there's uh, another midget involved. <laughs> It's it's probably the same guy just switching out costumes. <laughs> More wire work here. A good amount of wire work, actually, throughout this scene. The thing about this movie, and again, I always keep going back to Born to be Wild, because a lot of monkey movies are just a series of monkey-related wacky hijinks strung together with a very thin plot about you know a kid learning how to believe in himself or something and and that's really what this is the monkey and mccall and michael are hanging out throughout the movie and the evil zit corporation keeps throwing these threats at them the biker gang was unrelated i think but it's just a series of wacky fights leading up to the big football game at the end. We do get the amazing twist uh, once the mother, who is a computer programmer, breaks into the computer that McCall stole on his way out of Zit. We find out that <laughs> Zit was attempting to create monkey super soldiers. Yeah. Like, that's what they were going for. A monkey gang of super soldiers who are very easily distracted by bananas. Yeah, again, you would have thought that would have been a priority in their training, is to, like, get them to not have that kind of visceral reaction to bananas. Because you might be sending these monkey super soldiers into areas where there are bananas laying around, and you don't want to risk that. You know, like, a Central American government needs overthrowing. There's going to be some bananas around. Get your shit together, guys. In between the ninja fight and the football game, well, we get the we get the jailbreak. I was the saying, yeah, we jailbreak. Got, where where they uh, go and see Gilbert Godfrey? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they do catch him. How do they catch him again? I forget. With a lady monkey in a cage. The monkey has oh bows in her hair. Oh my god, that's right. <laughs> oh my god, they put up a, a cage with a girl monkey with like bows in her hair and maybe like lipstick and a dress and he comes out and they catch him jesus christ oh that's Lord. right they also get the kid they grab mike as well and yeah. they put him in a monkey cage and uh they're about to do i don't know if they specifically say what gilbert gottfried is going to do but it seems like they're going to dissect uh clemens's brain yeah question it's, mark it's never really clear what's gonna happen but it's going to be unpleasant especially since it involves mm. gilbert gottfried uh, <laughs> go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I love Gilbert Gottfried. So <laughs> no, that was it. There's no, there's no shame in that. There's a jailbreak. 
where Michael releases Clemens as well as a bunch of other animals who cause havoc throughout the lab. I guess we're supposed to think that this is Michael taking initiative and manning up or whatever. And speaking of manning up, he gets to play in the big football game. After after McCall rescues Michael and Clemens from the uh, the laboratory, they head back to school for the big football game between Michael's school and the other religious school. They're both Saint something or other, Saint Francis and Saint <laughs> whatever it is. So they head back to drop Michael off for the for the big game and. You know, McCall says, you know, he's he's a loner and, you know, he doesn't settle down in one place, so he's going to leave for whatever reason. I guess he just decides to leave the Michael with monkey. I mean, <laughs> the monkey <laughs> the monkey with Michael and just, just bounce. That's, yeah, yeah. His, that's his whole plan. So they, uh, they get ready for the big game and they suit up and Clemens joins in on the game for his team. And on the other side, the other high school, Taylor Negron, Flick and his henchmen all yeah. join the other team. Yeah, grown is just everyone yeah, grown is okay men with knock out a like middle school football team and take their places, and nobody seems to bat an eye. It's not until the third quarter of the game when when the the woman from Touched by an Angel she goes, "Don't those guys seem a little big for high schoolers like that?" But no, still, no, no one questions it. It's all in good fun, even though there's a monkey and a large bald man and two henchmen and three ninjas playing in this football game. This, like, middle school football and, and game. We get a legitimate, there's no rules that say a monkey yeah. can't play football. Uh, and I almost God. died. That's right, because McCall ends up immediately changing his mind, and he just goes and sits in the crowd with Michael's mom, and they just watch the game happen until things start going. There's one interesting uh, bit of casting here. There's a priest who's doing the play-by-play. Yeah, yeah, he looks familiar. Uh, he's played by a guy name. named Rick Ducumman, and you would know him because he's one of the guys that director Joe Dante puts in all of his movies. He was most notably Tom Hanks's name in the burbs yeah um he's also appeared in die hard groundhog day scary movie but he's been in yes. every single joe dante movie uh gremlins gremlins 2 amazing stories oh he was in Spaceballs. oh but yeah definitely one of those guys you've seen everywhere you... but i know him as one of joe dante's sort of repertory company and this was his final movie. Oh, and what a God. Way to go I'd out. like to think he had a bigger role in the other, in the version of this movie that wasn't thrown into the garbage before they had to start <laughs> over. This feels like an ending that wasn't there in the first version of this script. It's so out of place and weird. I, like, I know they built up the football stuff, but to jump from a karate monkey movie to, like, Air Bud is really... <laughs> For it the was the last it, ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, it was such a weird genre shift. Like and the way it was edited too, it seemed like this was where they ran out of budget or they, they had to I guess like you said, they had to refilm everything. And this seems kind of like it wasn't yeah. supposed to be there. As much as something can be out of place in a movie this stupid, yeah. this seems out of place. It's like everything seems out of place in this movie, but it for something <laughs> to seem out of place, it's gotta seem really out of place. And like exactly. I feel like maybe the football scene was the only scene from the original script to make it to the second version of whatever this is. But yeah, the the ending is Roma Downey yep. hacks the laptop that McCall and Clemens stole, and they put video of the CEO of Terlin Negron up on the big screen 
at the football game, and Taylor Negron has made a promotional video for the Monkey Mercenary Army. And the the (laughs) crowd of this small-town football game watches it and goes, Boo! And then the cops show up and arrest him. And I know this isn't supposed to be super realistic, but this guy is the CEO of a powerful, like, military contractor. And it's going to take more than a crowd full of moms and dads booing you for you to get justice. I I don't know. But then again, he's he's playing football well, against a monkey, so... He, I, yeah... Exactly. At the time he's arrested, he's supposed to be a twelve-year-old boy in his in his little football outfit, and he gets arrested. Him and his henchmen. Not to mention yeah. one, of the, one of the henchmen was one of the referees, so they're yeah. trying to sway the game. Yeah. In there. It's, he's definitely getting booked for assault on a Pop Warner team more so than he's getting booked for his mon- yeah, his monkey I militia. Mean, I wouldn't be surprised if his arrest had nothing to do with the monkey army. <laughs> the police no, didn't even see that. No. They were just <laughs> definitely not. And in the end, Michael gets the girl, and McCall gets the bizarrely plastic surgeried up, touched by an angel lady. And everybody lives happily ever after. Clemens might even get that fake monkey girl. Who knows? Actually, what happens is once uh, Michael and the girl are hugging and kissing, the main bully, the lead quarterback, runs up and goes, This is unfair. You know, I'm the head quarterback. Where's my kiss? And then there's Clemens, plants a nice uh, big wet one on him, and everyone uh, laughs at the bully. That is, uh, I forgot about that. What a what oh, a great man. way to finish so it. So classic. I mean, like, when you make the <laughs> list of things that chimpanzees can do in movies, giving a human a big <laughs> wet one is just, oh, right up there. It's just great. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, and then Clemens looks at the camera and smiles and shakes his head with that <laughs> fake monkey laugh in the background. Perfect. It's great. You know, I forgot to bring this up at the beginning of the podcast, but we always play a game with our guests that we call 12 Monkeys. And in this game, we ask our guests to summarize the film in 12 words or less. So, Steve, we'll give you a second to prepare, but summarize 2004's Funky Monkey in 12 words or less. Wow. All right. Super Monkey saves world from other super monkey (laughs) monkeys. Oh, wow. That might be my favorite one yet. Just because... because. Thank you, thank you. Nailed it. With with room to spare. Probably because you managed to stick the word monkey in there at at least three times. (laughs) Three times. That was great. That was, uh, yeah. Super, Super monkey defeats super monkey army monkeys. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, he, he doesn't actually fight them. He fights men in children's football costumes, but, you know. That's true. But when you look yeah. at the grand scheme of things, he defeats Taylor Negron in the football game, which leads to his arrest, which essentially, you assume, shuts down Zit yes. and the monkey army. Well, see, that this leads so, us yeah. to our next segment, uh, Monkey Business, in which we try mm. to come up with what a sequel to this movie would look like. Funky Monkey 2. Now, I'm going to take the lead on this because I, I I was thinking about this as I was re-watching it, and we were talking earlier about the possibility of these monkey armies. And 
I would love to see a movie where, you know, you get all these sequels where I'm thinking of the Superman sequel where Lex Luthor's in jail with, with his sidekick, Ned Beatty, and John Cryer comes and breaks them out of jail, and they're like smashing rocks, and they're wearing striped prison uniforms, and Taylor Negron and his henchmen are in jail, and they end up getting out, and they develop the monkey mercenary program, and get a Congo-esque group of mercenary monkeys. And in order to battle them, McCall has to get called out of retirement, and he and Clemens have to track them down. I like it. I like it. But I, what say, if, I like where this is going. What if, when they get out, they decide to go bigger and better? Since the monkey bit them last time, they go with a robot monkey oh. army, and that has to be stopped by the actual like monkey it. army. I like it. I'm imagining that uh, McCall and Touched by an Angel Lady and Michael have settled down like in the suburbs, and there's like a general that shows up like uh, commando style, and he's like, we need you again, McCall, and he's like, I swore I'd never go back to that life. Maybe there's something that makes it personal, like they've kidnapped Tommy Davidson. <laughs> and he's like... I think the stakes would be higher if it was just a female monkey. <laughs> you get the phone call like, help, a call, it's me, Tommy Davidson. And he's like, I'm sorry, I have a new life. And they're like, wait, that monkey with the bows in his hair is missing. All right, let's do it. There has to be a banana involved at a pivotal moment. I was, I was thinking something along that line. Maybe, maybe Negron and his henchmen, they run up front where they actually are running some sort of banana plantation, and that way they have an endless supply oh, to keep Clemens no. occupied whenever oh, they're man. doing their bad oh, stuff. And then you can get Jeffrey Tambor to say, there's money in that <laughs> banana stand. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, wow. Yeah, I, think, I, I think it might be hard getting Jeffrey Tambor back for this for Monkey Monkey 2. He's kind of gone yeah. on to do some more critically acclaimed work since then. Um, Tommy Davidson, you could probably get. Well, actually, Taylor McGrath's oh. dead, so I don't think yeah, we can get you know him to I'm come thinking? back. Billy Zane. Oh. Billy oh, Zane could surprise that character, and nobody would even bat an eye. <laughs> yeah, Gilbert Gottfried again reprising his Dr. Mengele mm-hmm. of animals routine. <laughs> yeah, he'll come back for sequels. If he came back for Problem Child 2, he'll do Funky Monkey 2. Oh, man. I'm, like, even more excited for this movie than I am for the first one, which I'm sure I'm going to rewatch again. I mean, out of all of the Monkey Club movies we've watched so far, I have definitely seen Funky Monkey the most. And we'll continue that... to watch it more than probably any other movie. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I've seen it with you... Two or three times already. We've done fucking King Kong and Planet of the Apes. If it was only (laughs) Shockma and Born to be Wild, I wouldn't want to puke. Look, I would love to be able to say that I've seen Planet of the Apes 12 times, but I can't say that. But I can say, I can say that (laughs) I've watched Funky Monkey 12 times. And I don't know what that says about me, but I don't care. I don't know if it's a love for this movie. It's just more of a fascination. It's just incredible. Uh, I just had a quick question for you. You picked this movie for this week, and I was curious if the timing was uh, a coincidence 
or because you wanted it to coincide with another Matthew Modine chases down a lab experiment thing that well, has just that been was, released. It was purely a coincidence, but Stranger Things is the timing was impeccable. Matthew Modine doesn't get a lot to do in Stranger Things, but when I watched the first episode of that show and the credits were rolling, I mean, not only is it an awesome credit sequence, but when With Matthew Modine popped up, I swear to God, like, I just lit up. I could not wait because he deserved it. A lot of underappreciated actors are getting sort of a renaissance through prestige television. You know, you had David Schwimmer yeah. with the O.J. Simpson series. Lots of people are given second chances by these new directors and writers who are who are making stuff. And grew up with these actors, sort of in the same way that Tarantino did with John Travolta. And yep, yep, to yep. see Modine back up there, honestly, Funky Monkey is probably the last high-profile <laughs> thing he did. <laughs> and it was great. And man, are his tips frosted in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's completely yeah. taken over. Yeah, they froze it over. Love... Everyone yeah. go watch Stranger Things. Yeah. Go I, do that. We yes, can all agree on I agree. that. I would love to see the second season of Stranger Things maybe include a little subtle throwback to, to Funky Monkey mm -hmm. in the way that they've made references to aliens and poltergeists and, and things like that. Maybe throw in a banana. Maybe throw in a monkey. I don't know. So, <laughs> Man, let's do it. So yeah, the, the final segment we do is a thing called Apes vs. Humans, where each of us decides... Who gave the better performance in this movie? Was it the monkey, or was it one of the humans? Steve, what do you think? Well, considering half the movie, the monkey was <laughs> a human in a monkey Good suit. Good point. You know what? I still gotta go with Clemens on this one. Clemens gets yeah, the win. Yeah, Clemens, Clemens was very mm. entertaining. I have to say, hearing Steve say that, I have to agree. It's like I was saying before, you get the best of both worlds. You get the man in a monkey suit doing backflips and karate. And you get the adorable chimpanzee sticking his tongue out and opening a soda and spraying it everywhere. And doing, doing all sorts of dumb monkey shit that the best spy in the world should not be doing. But whatever. Clemens was adorable. And... Frankly, I, the kid who played Michael was the most irritating child actor I'd seen. Oh, I wanted to give human. that kid yeah. a sexual oh. wedgie too. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. a totally yeah, non-sexual yeah. wedgie. I mean, I haven't hated a kid like that since Jake Lloyd in The Phantom Menace. So, uh, or Jingle All the Oof. Way. Yeah, such great heights. Um, and Matthew Modine just was sort of, eh, he was sort of window dressing. It was great, the parade of cameos they had, but none of them really did anything, you know, except Taylor Negron. Taylor Negron really stole the show, but that was, he was because good. he knew what kind of movie he was in, and he just chewed the shit out of the scenery. But even, even so, he played a minor part, so I'm going with Clemens. I'm going with Apes. Chris? I was going to say Apes before we started recording. Uh, but now I'm of the opinion it should be a push because half of the vote should go to Clemens and half of the vote should go to that heroic, drunken little person <laughs> in the suit who was the Clemens stunt double. I think he's the real unsung yeah, hero of wait, this movie. His name's, in the, his name's in the credits. Oh, there there are two of them. There was Alexandre yeah. Albrecht and Jean-Luc Orofino. So 
You two, wherever you are, you're the real heroes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Real human beings. You're, while, yes. while playing monkeys. So, I guess it's fair to say that this round is a push. It goes both ways, because we enjoyed the uh, human antics of Clemens as much as we enjoyed the uh, the silly close-ups. So, point humans and point apes. Yes. Everyone gets a ribbon. Goddamn millennials. Alright, so any final thoughts, Steve? What what were your thoughts watching it again? You know, as I was rewatching these clips, I was laughing like I was the first time. It's, it's a fantastic movie. That's Michael Down is one of my all time favorites. It's just so stupid yeah. and I love it. That's what that's what makes it great, is it's just it's so stupid. I love it. When when Clemens does that triple backflip and intercept the ball on a field goal and then run it back for a touchdown, which isn't legal in football, but it's fine. It's fine. It's great. Yeah, I everything about uh, it is fantastic. You know, like I said, a lot of my memories. It it was weird watching this again on my own because it's it's something that I mm. associate with watching in a group, and I feel like is is infinitely more enjoyable to watch in a group as it is with most bad mm. movies. But still, just like the dumb, dumb, dumb joy of this movie <laughs> was great. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's great. Chris, what were your um, what were your final thoughts on this? Yeah, I I could see it being a, a group movie. <laughs> I'd have to get pretty messed up to do it again, but uh, I, I'm certainly glad I did it the first time. You could convince me to do it in a large group of people. I had more fun than I expected to. Uh, like I said, the goalposts are usually pushed a little a little further up for for uh, for Monkey Club, but um, you know, in that context, I enjoyed it. You can find my erotic wedgie page at uh, youtube.com slash wedgieguy420. Well, the the last thing I want to mention is the writers of this movie, which blew my mind. The lead writer of this movie is a man named Lance Kinsey, but you would know him better as Proctor, the sidekick of the bad guy in the Police Academy movie. Well, would I, if though? you watch the Police Academy movies, you would. Um... <laughs> But he was the sidekick in the Police Academy movies, the sidekick of the bad guy, and he wrote it with one of the writers of the Police Academy series, who also wrote National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1, which I really like. I think is a really good parody movie. Yeah, yeah. Loaded Weapon's not bad at all. Um, so these two guys basically were working on the Police Academy series, and they were like, hey, uh, you want to write a monkey movie? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So they did. I mean, I suppose I have more of a history because I grew up on the Police Academy movies, so knowing that this guy was behind one of my favorite terrible films is kind of a big deal. The director of it is a guy named Harry Basil, and Harry Basil is famous for co-writing all of Rodney Dangerfield's movies, especially the later wow. ones where he's, like, really old and fat, like My um. Five Wives. Yeah. Oh, so, like, <laughs> like this, like the Orson Welles, yeah. like, late era, like, when he gets all big, like that? Rodney Dangerfield, not no, Caddyshack, no, not no, Back no, to School. No. Like, yeah, okay, well, yeah. that makes more sense. <laughs> and and if you ever want a vision to haunt your nightmares, look up the cover of the video version of My Five Wives. It's just, like, fat, bloated Rodney Dangerfield 
making a gross face covered in lipstick kisses. It's sort of like straight out of his appearance from Natural Born Killers on the creepiness scale. I'm looking up right now, and it's fantastic. <laughs> of course you would think it's fantastic. Sick, <laughs> sick fuck. On yes. a quick side note, I was looking up Harry Basil myself, and he's actually a native of Bergenfield, another uh, Northern Jersey member. All right, uh, member go Bergenfield. And yourself. <laughs> That's right. All right, well, uh, that was Funky Monkey. Thank you for listening. For more Monkey Club, as well as Cage Club, Keanu Club, and the Zack Attack, you can find all of it on the Cage Club Podcast Network, at cageclub.me, that's cageclub.me, or you can look up the Cage Club Podcast Network on Facebook. Uh, I'm Christian Larson. I'm Chris Mattiello. And that was our special guest, Steve Payson. Steve, say goodbye to the folks at home. Have a good night, everybody. And you've been listening to The Monkey Club. Thanks for tuning in. Stay funky, folks. Brass monkey, that funky monkey. Where